Welcome to the Minnesotan pod. Today we have a very special Minnesotan on the pod, Anthony Walsh, former Edina Hornet standout state champion 2013. Anthony's here to tell his story, a little bit about growing up in Edina as an adoptee, but we're going to talk some hockey. We're going to talk about his book that he authored and had illustrated. It's a, it's a great story. We're going to talk about all of the things related to Anthony. I've been looking forward to this pod for quite some time. Hope you enjoy today's show. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring Bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire Well, Anthony, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing really well. Uh, thank you, Tony, for having me, and this is a... Great experience. I've been looking forward to this as well, so thank you. Uh, well, I got to just jump right in here and, and just get right to it. You you wrote a book, and we went to the same church when you were a little kid, and I just look at, I look across you at the aisle and go, man, that kid's never going to write a book, and you proved me wrong. No, I, I'm kidding about never <laughs> write a book, but <laughs> it's just fascinating to see. And then we were talking, and you said, yeah, I'm 27. And I'm like, you're 27? All growing up. All growing up. You still <laughs> yeah. look like a kid, though. You still look very young. You look, look still you. very young. So. All those peach fuzz. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you got a little fuzz going it's there. Like Grizzly Adams. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about kind of your upbringing. Um, you grew up in Edina. Um, you did went to Hopkins schools, though, for most of until like sixth, seventh grade, right? Yeah. In seventh grade, I went to Valley View Middle School. At it. Okay, that must have been a little bit of a culture change. From oh, yeah, Hopkins, uh, absolutely. So you were born at six weeks old. You were born, and then six weeks old, you left a foster care in Washington, D.C., and, and were adopted by your parents and moved to Edina. Before we get to the Edina part, let's talk about, you used a word before we started called terrifying, what could have happened to you in your life. It's hard to get really dark here early, right? But... Uh, what if you're put into the foster care system? Do you have some statistics on that or how that works? Because it can't be very much of a very bright future compared to the future you have today. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, over four hundred thousand, four hundred forty-four thousand um, kids are in the foster care system. Four hundred forty. Any given time. Yeah. Right. You know, ultimately, okay. you know, give or take. Yeah. So um, half a million, basically. Yeah, half a million kids in the foster care system. You know, every year, roughly twenty thousand of them age out, and um, you know those. What happens is not good because there's no support system, right? Like right. these are people that are 18 years old who are just thrown into the draws of life. And, um, you know, I know that at age 25, you know, at, you know, we're talking with our parents and we're getting advice and we're soliciting, you know, maybe, you know, what is it? Um, you know, a lot of Americans can't afford a $400 emergency payment, right? You know, you can't imagine what that's like for somebody that literally does not have a single adult in their life that they can depend on, um, you know, no stability, no nothing. So, yeah, the all comes for those kids um, are terrifying and, you know, in the most respectful way for kids that are a aging out. And, um, you know, I do feel blessed that that ultimately wasn't, you know, my my destiny. I uh, coached football in South Minneapolis, and the park that I coached at was right next door to St. Joe's. St. Joseph's one of the bigger orphanages in, in Minneapolis. And the kids, I don't know, I had a pretty nice, kind heart, I thought. And we, the, the guy from the orphanage said, hey, can we bring some kids over and play football? play on your team. I'm like, sure, no problem. It's going to be great for them, you know. They were so misbehaved, so disruptive. They were on a lot of different drugs to, to maintain their systems. And it was like, and I remember saying to the kid, I felt best. They stayed on the teams, but they just couldn't. They may have been athletic, but they just had a much tougher time with normal day-to-day -day stuff. So these were 12, 10, 11, 12-year-old 12 boys, right? I can only imagine if you fast-forward to those kids when they become adults, how difficult their life might be. Yeah, very That's much when you so. say the word terrifying. Yeah. I'm like, I knew, it, when you said that, I knew exactly what you were talking about with these kids. They, you know, we were lining up for a football drill, and they're grabbing onto a face mask or something like that. Can yeah. you imagine what that looks like when they're 18 or 30 years old? Yeah, right, and by no fault of their own. Right, exactly. You know, that, so, like, I mean, and that's exactly, though, what your point you're making is that um, 
you know, when you've been abandoned by the system that is supposed to support you in your entire life, you know, there's only so many outcomes that you could really have. And um, but that is what's so beautiful about the work that we're trying to do now, or that I'm trying to do now in general, is with hockey, but also in foster work, all that kind of stuff like that. Is you know, giving kids something to believe in and to you know work up to and live up to and that if you have expectations for a kid they will a lot of times feel that and if you don't have expectations they will you know end up not doing very much right like you know kids know what people think about them and what their potential is and if you give them something to literally believe in and you know hey I believe in you I trust you that you're going to make the right decisions in life they will often you know often go on and actually do that but or, or exceed them well exactly exceed them but we don't yeah. give these kids a chance even to no, you know, have any semblance of a normal life, um, you know, what me and you would potentially experience. And then we wonder why, you know, they're grabbing face masks and stuff. So <laughs> Right, right. Well, we'll get to some face masks here in a minute. So <laughs> uh, you grew up, you had an older brother, Ben, and then a half-sister. What was your sister's name? Sarah. Yeah. Sarah, okay. Uh-huh. Um, would you call your life in Edina fairly normal? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, both my parents work. Um, they, you know, were middle-class people and uh, – my mom likes to joke we're the two garage part of Edina, and uh, you know, because ultimately, <laughs> right? I mean, no, it's a, you know, it's funny. Like, and you know, I'm not going to downplay and say that you know, like it wasn't, you know, I, I didn't, I, I never struggled for anything, all this kind of stuff, you know. So right. I mean, that was an amazing experience that I had in my life, and uh, you know, I respect, um, you know, my parents so much for everything that they've done, and you know, the life that they've given me, and you know, hockey has been a huge part of that, and that in itself is a really expensive sport, I know. So yeah, you know, I know there's been a lot of sacrifices made for that as well. So. so what were the other sports that you p- tried or played or participated in? Was was just hockey? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, no, you I got the figure yeah. for. Uh, <laughs> I could name a few sports you'd have been good at: football, <laughs> soccer. Uh, probably name a few of those sports that you were probably good at, right? Yeah, exactly. Maybe you know, baseball not, was baseball a thing. Well, I didn't. You know, I wasn't. Uh, I probably could have been a decent baseball player. You know, I wasn't. Uh, tall enough to be excelling at basketball, all that kind of stuff, right? So, you know, no, ultimately, right. You um, notice I didn't uh-huh. say basketball. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, I have that height where it's like, you know what, you could potentially be a football player. Were no, you short for <laughs> when you were a kid or you're average? or no, just average. Average, you know what I yeah. would say, yeah, honestly, you know, I'd, uh, I'm, to be honest, right, by standards, if you look on the line, like 5'9 is like the average size of a man or yeah. something, and so I'm much taller than that. But, like, yeah. Um, yeah, ultimately, you know, um, there are people that are taller than me, other people that are shorter than me. <laughs> right, right, right. But yeah, so I mean, just, uh, you know, I think we're, uh, to bring it back a little bit, uh, I played uh, track, or sorry, I ran track, I played lacrosse. Um, I, now, so, you know, I was actually a really good track runner. Um, I yeah. was a junior Olympian when I was younger. I was seventh in the country for long jump. Um, yeah, that was a really cool experience. I ran a little bit of high school track and, we won the Hamlin meet. I don't know if that'll resonate with hockey yeah, audience, but yeah. yeah, Hamlin meet, you know, all the kind of stuff. So we were really good, um, you know, in that sense. So, I mean, I, uh, so you were also besides <laughs> varsity hockey, you were varsity track. Yes. Well, I was varsity cool. track. Yeah. And I, but not I only football did, yeah. though, not, not football. Seriously? Um, just what, you've uh, never played football. Yeah. I played a little bit when I was younger. Um, uh, and then just ultimately it wasn't really my thing. Uh, I tried to, it, I don't know. It just didn't take really? my attention. I think being, you know, from Minnesota, um, being from Edina, right, like, you just, uh, honestly, a sport like hockey, too, like, if you're, you know, excuse me, I'm sorry, half decent at it, like, you know, you'll, you'll pick that, right, you want to just, like, fly around the ice, right, you know, there's nothing more fun than, than, you know, being on the ice and flying around and spending time with your friends and, you know, discovering kind of a new more, you know, move that, like, you've been working on or something, you know, you know, face off or deke or going off or something like that, so, just, it was always something to, well, it it also, I explain this. If you're trying to explain this, we'll get to your your birth parents in Washington D.C. They probably have no real concept of hockey, do they? Yeah, I'm, yeah, but probably none. Not. I'm yeah, guessing they exactly. had none, right? Yeah. But if you explain to somebody who doesn't have, you know, like just just take a small town in Minnesota, like in Southwest Minnesota, where there's not a hockey rink, like it's a foreign concept to them. But once you explain to them, it's a, it's a lot like soccer, football, where it's aggressive and it's fast. But you're playing on skates and it's ten times faster. Then they go, hmm, that's kind of interesting. Tell me more about it because it's such a fast game, right? The game of hockey is so much faster than any other sport, right? So, yeah, honestly, it's the fastest game on two feet, you yeah. know, ultimately, yeah. right? Like, that you can propel yourself with. I right. Mean, yeah. It's, it's insane. It is insane. insane. It's, it's nothing more fun. It's hard to grasp that. I can explain it to somebody. Yeah. All right. So, so you're on blades on the ice and you're cruising. All right. So, youth career, you played Edina the whole way through. Yeah. Um, 
And did you say you won a state championship at P- you won Fargo and a Pee Wee Ace because they didn't have Pee Wee Double A back mm-hmm. then? So you're kind of that you're so yeah old, right? I know I'm aging so myself. Pee Wee A who are some of the guys on your Pee Wee if you could remember because it was so long ago 15 yeah. years ago do you remember some of the guys on your team who your coach was some of, just give me some memories of that team oh my gosh yeah I remember. Very vividly, we had Jeff Johnson as oh our coach. Oh my gosh! Still? Yeah, Jeff. Yeah. I think, oh my gosh! I think coach Johnson still might. He be. is still. He's still doing it. Yeah, legend. You know. <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, he he. You know, he played for Edina. He won a you know state championship with Edina all yep. kind of stuff, and yeah, played after that as well. And just you know, uh, a great thing to be for him to come back, right? And uh, same with like Greg Dornbach at one point. He was squirted in Bantams, but anyway, yeah, that Pee Wee team was incredible. Um, you know, we had guys that um. Like, uh, Vinny Letary was on that team, which is kind of funny because he That's had crazy. one year playing for Edina and then back to Minnetonka. And, yeah. um, you know, Vinny was a cousin of uh, the, uh, Tyler and Louie Nanny, but Tyler Nanny was on that team. Um, you know, Jeff Lusheen, uh, Chris Rectimald, Aiden Flanagan, Johnny Austin, um, Parker Reno, Matt here. Nelson, <laughs> Ryan Hatch. Do you have a Brower Aiden in there, Anderson, too? Anderson, Bo Brower. Um, Lily Benjamin, good. Paul Enriquez, Miguel. No, Miguel wasn't on that team yet. That was Bantams. Well, I think Miguel might have been on a Wee team. No, he wasn't. Um, where was the state final? Wilmer, Minnesota. No <laughs> way. Just yeah. funny because, like, I mean, I. You only time I've ever been to Wilmer. Like, yeah. you know, it's like. It's, it's so uh, crazy. It's a great rink, though. I uh, love, awesome, awesome place. I love asking people. Yeah. They always mm-hmm. remember when they when they won state. They always mm-hmm. remember what rink it was in. They never forget that because yeah. you know, like th- there was a build up. There's three games, and you play this team or that team. That's pretty cool. So, um, you go on hockey's your thing. Obviously, I tried talking into football. You you want nothing to do with it. Yeah, no, it's funny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's. Uh, I know that was a big regret that uh, uh, I was talking to Boatman about. It. He's like, I couldn't get you to play, but it's just. You know, we were joking. We was all fun and games. And the only reason just, I yeah, say it is you played mm-hmm. extremely physical right. brand of hockey. Right. That's that's why and football's a physical sport. That's why. Exactly. Okay. That is crazy. It didn't resonate so much. I don't know. I think maybe just, you know, as I'm thinking of and, it now. And in right? your yeah. face. You're uh-huh. just in your in your yeah. face player. Like, yeah. well, that would have been really good for linebacker. Or, well, no, or safety not, you or know, something, just, you know? I should have maybe tried to do linebacker or something. I think what the <laughs> issue was is, like, I was really fast. Yeah. So they wanted to give me the ball to run. And I just, yeah. like, didn't want to be getting hit every play. Yeah, you know, I like yeah, to maybe yeah, initiate yeah. the contact versus, you know, having to hit it. it. So I don't know. Yeah, that's I, true. Whatever that's reason, true. it just didn't stick with me. But that's you know, fine. Was the way it went. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, let's fast forward state tournament. Um, it's your senior year. Edina hadn't won a tournament in three or four years, which is 2010. They, 2010. Yep. They, yeah. they brought it home then. Mm-hmm. So it's 2013. Uh, you have a really good team um, and you're playing in the state final. And how many goals uh, – you shouldn't know your stat line, but if you do, how many before your last goal, how many goals do you think you had your senior year? Well – Because I know this one's the one you're going to remember most. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, I – you know, I don't want to say only, but I'm I'm pretty sure I ended with seven before that, so it was, like, the eighth or something. Yeah, yeah, so it wasn't – it wasn't 20 or 30. No, 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 no. Like, you know, what's really interesting, and we kind of talked about it off the air, is, like, any – like, I was a goal scorer on teams outside of Edina. Yeah. But for whatever reason, I had a snake-bitten career with Edina. You know, <laughs> it was more of, like, just power forward. You know, I had a lot of assists. I got the goals. Um, or I got, you know, the puck to the to the goal scorers, all the kind of stuff. And, you know, it's fine. You know, I was okay with that. And, I mean, so to this day, I mean, like, I look at that as, like, playing a role. And yep. to have success in teams, you have to play a role in all that kind of stuff. And that was my role, and I enjoyed, you know, playing it. And I loved the guys that I played around. And, you know, I know they respected and loved what I did, you know, as well, like going in and creating space on the ice and, yeah, so that's that an understatement. <laughs> I just was, was always afraid for the poor defenseman <laughs> that was on your side. Like, that <laughs> oh my gosh, looks so funny. Not crushed. You didn't like. Yeah. You weren't cheap. You just were yeah. very physical and aggressive. Yeah. I loved it. It was like you knew when Anthony Walsh was on the ice. <laughs> I loved it. Um, uh, so set up, set the play for your greatest goal. I, I, I could, I gave every detail over the phone. Yeah, when you oh talked my gosh. Phone. I, knew everything. <laughs> I was embarrassing you, but I think you liked it a little bit. So walk walk us to the big goal against uh, Hill Murray State Final. I believe the game's still in question. I know it was kind of a blowout at the end, but <laughs> walk through what happened. Yeah. Um, so just one, like I want to say that, like you know, the guys I played with, like you know, we were all incredible, and um, they all put in so much work. We all put in so much work, and um, you know, just by the end, like I happened to have you know a great goal, and 
Um, so it was great to be able to do that. But I want to also do it was a great, amazing effort that we all had. So just put that. <laughs> oh, so the on humble the ice, pie. I mean, no, you I mean seriously, just, I mean, come on. really, I mean, seriously, I want to just like, you know, I think there's been a lot of attention, <laughs> you know, necessarily with that on it. And I don't want to say it was a team thing and like. Honestly, and I love, I still, you know, see the guys and I love them and everything. We all, we're all very tight knit. So, but yeah, you know, that, uh, I think I was out of position to be honest. <laughs> like when I look back on it, like I've seen the video more recently just because I wanted to look, but, um, you know, I was in the corner for whatever reason. Um, I think I was helping them like, the, you know, give them some support, but the puck goes up to the point. Um, you know, uh, Danny Dolan is actually the guy that shot it. I'm sorry, Danny. I don't know if you want to hear this, like probably PTSD bringing it back, but me and him were friends. We put on the blaze together before that. No so, way. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, I said, sorry, it had to be him, but, um, he shot it, I, you know, right into me. I'm um, unfortunately for him. And like the puck just shot right down the middle, which almost never happens. Um, you know, I don't, not going to lie, I actually blacked out just like, you know, I have no real memory of the play itself just cause it happened so fast. Um, you know, but I've seen it. So I raced down, I grabbed the puck. Um, I had done this deep, pr- like, I remember coach, like we called him coach frog, like, yeah. which is like, you know, I don't remember his name, but like he taught us to move in peewees, right? Like this was, he's like, this was a nothing move. And I watched him do it. And like ever since then, every single day at practice, like no matter what it was, I'd just be going down and you really just like pretend like you're doing stuff and you get the goalie all psyched out and the puck goes right through his legs. So like, that's the move I had always done. Like Willie Benjamin, our goalie probably knew as soon as he saw me going in on a breakaway, what move I was going to be doing, you know, it's called the nothing move. So yeah, I mean, like just. I did it without really even knowing it was just muscle memory. And then I did blank or like black back in. I remember like watching the puck cross the line um, and hit the post. Like, you know, it had gone straight, but it had hit uh, John Dugas again. Like we all knew, we all knew each other growing up. So it hit Dugas's pad and like almost kind of deflected out. Um, and then I jumped into the boards and stuff because I was going so fast. So I didn't want to knock myself out. And like, you know, it was just one of those things where it was amazing play. And, you know, I, I really, again, just attribute, it to like, you know, I'm not like, oh, super religious, but like, you know, it's like, you know, that play was God, right? It was just the moment that happened. Like I've trained for that my entire life, but there was no guarantee that something like that was ever going to like fall into place. And we know when it did, I was ready for the opportunity and, you know, so, but yeah, I mean, it was an amazing, um, <laughs> amazing play, amazing opportunity. And like, you know, again, I'm just so thankful that, um, that could have been the culmination. Cause like, you know, you did allude to like, you know, I had like been, you know, point wise, a hundred percent, like not produced as much as it maybe would have looked like you know on the ice all that kind of stuff so you know it was cool to have that um you know finale but you know at the end of the day like it would have felt just as good to you know win the state championship with my guys all the kind even of without stuff, the even goal. without the goal so yeah but it was you know. cool it was well cool no for i me. mean god like trust me I, i'm not saying that but like you know at the end of the day like you know it the team winning the state championship was that the like, pinnacle. was the pinnacle yeah yeah, yeah no question yeah. no question all right, so what happens to Anthony's hockey career after that? I'll just kind of go through. Uh, I think he went to – did you go to Bethel? I went to right Bethel, out, yeah. Right like, out, right I went to school. Bethel right out of school. Um, Coach Berggraf was an amazing guy. Like, he, you know, uh, talked to me and was like, you know, I think this would be a good opportunity and everything. And, you know, I got there, and right, and it's just like – I don't know. Part of me was like, you know what, I'll just try to go to juniors. You know, ultimately um, – it just, like, the people at Bethel were amazing. Like, I still actually am friends with a lot of people I went to school with at that time and everything, but it's just that, um, I don't know. I don't want to say maybe shutting myself short or something, but I was just like, you know what, I just got to try. I'll go play a year juniors. I'll test it out. I had been drafted somewhere, I believe, in the NA at the time, but, um, like, I did want to play at the highest level possible. So, like, um, you know, and, you know, no regrets in that sense, but, like, I think the NA is an amazing league, and they've put so many players in the D1 now. So, like, don't. Yeah you know, think of me, like, think, oh, I didn't want to play in the NA, but, like, you know, I wanted to play Tier 1, so I went to Canada, and I played Tier 1 in Canada, and I played in Manitoba for a while, and for, actually, not a while, for a little bit, and that was an incredible experience, you know, I did really well there, um, I went over to Ontario, um, and played in the CCHL there, yep. and, you know, that was a different, like, I mean, that was a really good league, those guys could play, I mean, yeah. like, it, those guys could play, like, one, that's for a fact, two, I, you know, I think I struggled mentally a little bit, like, yeah. you know, I don't want to get too much into it, but my home situation wasn't the best. Um, yeah. And uh, I fell definitely out of love with the game. I kind of think questioned maybe, like, what I was doing there a little bit. Like, yeah. you know, I think that I figured maybe that a- as much as I loved hockey, I loved actually, like, seeing my best friends every day, like, you know, being there with them, like, you know, um, being part of a community like Edina, all this kind of stuff like that yeah. is such a crazy, crazy opportunity and such a crazy um, experience to experience and then to, like, you know, move on from that. Like, I don't think I was, again, like, mentally there for that. And, like, um, uh, you know, again, part of that's where I was living. Part of that's on me just for not being mentally prepared and ready and mature for that. But, like, ultimately yeah. it was, like, ah, like, 
I don't want to do this anymore. So, you know, I went home and, like, kind of, like, collected my thoughts and said, like, you know, like, what's next? I want to go to school and went to North Dakota. And, like, you know, we kind of talked about it as well. And that maybe yeah. you asked me a couple questions about this. Yeah. But, you know, like, I um, – you know, it's so funny. Like, one of my best friend's dads, like, if you ask anybody, like, about me before – like, I went to college, it was just, like, you know, and again, not in a negative way, but I was an athlete, right, and I was a guy that didn't really care about school, not necessarily, like, not, like, don't care about it, but just, like, you know, like, fitness was more of what I was into, and then, you you know, School now, was a means to an end. Yeah, school, exactly, and yeah. then, you know, now I'm just, like, very cerebral, like, you know, I read, you know, hours a day, all this kind of stuff like that, just because it's, like, I want to do that, I like doing that, you know, so much so that, like, I was able to be, like, oh, my gosh, I need to get these thoughts out of my head into a book, right, like, <laughs> all this kind of stuff, right, so, like, you know, that this is happening, I think really has probably shocked a lot of people that knew me back in the day, but, you know, but this is all because I was able to kind of, like, you know, oh, I moved on and was able to find maybe new stuff at a time, and um, so, yeah, so I did abroad a couple times, and, you know, I was in Norway, I was in Chile, um, interned with Hennepin County a few times, all this kind of stuff. So, I mean, like, I really feel as though I had got to have those opportunities um, because of where my life had gone. Everything happens for a reason in that sense. And, like, be I'm only here today because I was able to, like, go off and, um, you know, find myself, develop new interests, develop new skills and hobbies and, um, you know, take everything that I would learned from, the, you know, the years and years I would played hockey um, and attribute that or, you know, bring that into the post-hockey post, post -hockey life and era. All right, so you get to UND um, probably as a 19 or 20-year-old? Yes, I was. Did that help being, having got some of that junior hockey, some of the Bethel stuff out of the way before you really locked down on your academics? Absolutely. I mean, like, a gap Some people call it a gap year, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so funny. I would, like, and honestly, too, it's one of those things, like, you know, it is what it is. You do what you do. But, like, if you do look statistically at, like, some of the most, like, high-achieving people, like, they've taken a gap year to kind of, like, figure out, like, where I'm do I want to go in gap life? Year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. But, but, yeah, you know, it was like, you know, I took a gap year, right, all this stuff. Like, what it did for me personally is it was, like, I need to be serious now. I need to, need to be here. And I'm not going to be, like, I didn't spend freshman year and sophomore year having fun, right, as well. But, like, but I knew that I was a serious student, right? I was, like, you know. Before, where he said it was means to an end, it was ends to a means, right? Like, yeah. you need to get a good education. You need to find, you know, now I'm in law school. All the stuff, I'm going to be graduating from that. But, like, I knew that there was a, a path for me that was more, again, like, cerebral than I had thought for myself before and um, was only able to, like, lock that down at that time. What were your – give me your four years or th – was your three, your three years at UND? Uh, four. Ultimately. Four years, yeah. okay. Because you had some Bethel in there, too. Right, so. yeah, yeah. Um, I, so I, like, didn't – like, I was so short there that it was didn't even, like, count, count towards, yeah, <laughs> like, a year. Yeah, it was three months. So. Get some chapel time maybe at Bethel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, uh, Vespers. There Vespers, you go. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. All right, so four years. So were you there, like, uh, 16 to 20, 15 to 19? When did you graduate from from uh, UND? I graduated in, in uh, 18, so 18, 14, 14 to 18. All right, got it. All right. Mm -hmm. I just want to see – I wanted to line this up with COVID because yeah. I know we have a COVID moment coming up with your book and mm -hmm. with the adoption. At what point after you graduated – what was your degree in at UND? I was a history major in interdisciplinary okay. studies, so I double majored in that. All right, mm -hmm. so you, you graduate. Um, at what point are you now – um, with, with your degree and you, you go back and do some stuff with adoption to find out kind of where you come from. When, how old were you when you did that? Yeah. So in 2017, so you were in college when yeah, this happened, when oh, this I just happened but it was see when we were right. Yep. Um, I mean, so it was kind of like, it was kind of at the end of college, 2017. Um, I had done a DNA test, ancestry DNA, just like jokingly enough. It was like, Oh, I wanted to know if I was like Jamaican or something. Right. Ultimately that was always kind of like, Oh, I didn't know what my ancestry was. I'm really interested in it. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't – so I ended up actually having, like, a DNA match with, like, a biological relative, and that was never what the intention was, but that ended I'm up being the case. I'm going to yeah. challenge you on that uh -huh. because before the show, you said I kind of always wondered, right, who I was yeah. and who they were. So you said just now, you said, oh, I don't really want it, but I think deep down you kind of wanted to know in a way some – didn't you? Oh, no, I wanted to know, but I didn't – Maybe use Ancestry.com as it. the medium. Right. Like, you yeah, know, yeah. like how people will be like, I'm going to use Ancestry, and I hope I find a relative. Like, right. I, I did not have that You mindset. were just trying to find out yeah, maybe like, what African nation you were from or right, something, from Right, from a Caribbean nation. Yeah, really whatever. Anywhere, right, yeah, maybe, yeah. you know, and honestly, I was from none. I'm, I'm a... What were you, you, you know? know? I'm just a black American from, you know, my <laughs> roots date back to the time that the slaves were, that the enslaved people were 
brought to the shores of Roanoke and in the That's North Carolina. Well, I mean, and then I, you know, I know my biological fa- uh, family, and so we still are residing in that area today. And yeah. some of us are in, up in D.C. now from when you know migration happened as well and stuff. But right. you know, my yeah, my my family has been um, you know in this country since its founding, before its founding. Really? Um, yeah, which is incredible. That's um, amazing. Yeah. All yeah. right. So you find out you're you're kind of ending college. Uh, you f- you get a biological ma- biological match. Tell me about what the next steps were in that. Yeah. So I mean, like, um, a little bit. Of, oh my gosh. This is like long to make a long story longer. No, I'm not joking. That's gonna be short. But um, so like my aunt, like this was a complete secret, and I didn't know this actually at the time. But um, my my adoption was a you know nobody in my biological family knew about it. So when this happened and stuff, we started like talking, and she was just trying to figure out like, oh my gosh, you're, you're saying you're my nephew, but. I know all my nephews. Oh, and all so this, this is who you had the biological match with, with your aunt, and, yes. not, and this is your mom's sister. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah. that's not long longer. That's that's really yeah. good facts. No. No. Right. No. Yeah. No. But I mean, it's um, you know, so she, uh, so that all happens. Like my Wait, biological mother. Can yeah. I imitate your aunt when she finds out? She goes, "Oh no, no, yeah, no, no yeah, not like, my no, sister, no, right? no, yeah, yeah, right, yeah right. not my sister, no." So, yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, you know, and so yeah, right, that happens, and um. You know, and I want to preface this now just because I don't know if anybody listened to all this all the way, but, like, me and my biological mother have a very good relationship now. We talk a lot. We're very close. Um, but at the time, I think she was very shocked to have this all happen, and it was kind of like, oh, my gosh, like, let's not open this can of worms and let's not do this and that and blah, 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 all these kind of things. But, um, you know, uh, that was life, and so that was a whole thing, and I went off to Norway, and I, like... That was your senior year yep, trip, right? senior yeah. year trip, yeah. I went there. I studied abroad there. I finished there. I interned there. And then I traveled around after all that kind of stuff, came back. Um, I had the uh, great privilege of uh, landing an internship with Heidi Heitkamp, um, who was a senator at the time from North Dakota in the Senate. So I moved out to Washington, D.C. No at that way. time. Is that by design? Yeah. Um, yes, I definitely wanted to be out there. I knew that for a fact, but, like, you know, like I had applied because it's a great opportunity, obviously, right, as well, yeah, yeah. right? You know, and I had actually um, – I had begun the uh, master's program in higher education at UND because I had planned on maybe going down that route. So, because um, there was no guarantee I was going to get that internship. So, like, I mean, like, it, had I not gotten that, I would have stayed in school and continued, um, you know, towards maybe a doctorate or something. Like, um, and, but I got the internship, moved out to DC, spent, you know, like I was. Uh, spending time, like, do you know these people? I had names and, like, one photo and all the stuff that my aunt had sent before, like, you know, we had, like, ceased communication, all that kind of stuff. So, like, at one point, you know, some person knew them, all this kind of stuff, yada, yada. Um, was like, oh, that's Dewey, this and that, I know him. But long story short, uh, well, so, anyway, I spent my time in D.C., right? Like, my internship came to an end, and I wanted to still be in D.C. So, I got a job at a think tank. So, I worked at a think tank for a while called the Century Foundation, um, and then... I enrolled in law school, so I was working and going to law school, and then it was during that time, um, pandemic happens, everything slows down, I'm like, re-reach out to my aunt, like, you know, putting pressure on her, like, yo, like, God, I'm in D.C. now, God, tell me something, this and that, like, you know, she... So, so you found out you had a match in 2017, and you still haven't met your mom until 2020? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe longer? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, keep going. So, exactly, I mean, like I was saying, it was a... And weird, weird time at that point. But, like, um, so, you know, finally, like, at one point, he just, like, dropped it. Like, one of them was, like, oh, like, Wayne Jones was his name, all this stuff. So I started, like, looking on, um, you know, online, Instagram, Facebook, right? I ended up finding him on Instagram, biological brother. I'm, like, hey, like, we're biological brothers, all this stuff like that. Like, you know, I just wanted to know if you wanted to meet, all this kind of stuff like that. And he's, like, oh, like, doesn't believe me, you know, of course, right? And not, like, doesn't, you know, but just, like, this is, I'm 25 years old, right? Like, so where did this guy come from? You know, it's like we, like, you know, so anyway, like, he reaches out, I guess, to my biological mother at that point, and that's when she just, like, oh, tells him everything, and he's like, well, what the heck? We got to meet this guy. So, like, that night, after having, like, made the first connect, like, that night, met my entire side of my biological mother's family. So, like, I have a younger sister, my three, well, two older brothers. So your biological mom set it all up. Brother, yeah, he did, yeah, he and like, yeah, and I met, you know, all of them. I haven't necessarily met one because he wasn't there, you know, for whatever reason. Like, um, you know, I know the reason, but it doesn't matter on air. But like, um, and then, um, yeah, met all of them, and then was able to a couple weeks later meet my biological father and like siblings on that side and everything. So I mean, it's you know, a dream come true, right? Ultimately, and still to this day, it seems almost surreal just because, um, 
you know, as I explained before, right, like not a, not everybody that is adopted that wants to have this happen has a chance to happen. Like, you know, some people are just, you know, downright rejected and they never have a chance to do that. Other people are unable to because of a, a language barrier or nationality or maybe like a country or records. Keep records. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, so there's numerous reasons. So like, and then, you know, just again, like I had been searching my life, you know, like for a long time, but then right. it's Remember like when I I'm not a searching, bit? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. right. But I really, like, I really didn't do, I really didn't just because, um, like, I don't feel like you can have those kind of expectations. You know what I'm saying? That like you Hard can't really to. expect yeah. something. And then if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I, I know people who have gone into DNA tests and there's nothing, nothing there happened. and it's really disappointing. And like, so like, you know, I just like, I didn't have any expectation. And then like when that happened and stuff like that, that's where it was just like, Oh my gosh. So, you know, I do talk about when you're not look searching all the time. Sometimes you really do find what you're looking for. And I think that was maybe one of those, one of those. So you would have never had this happen hadn't your aunt been curious. Yeah. And she right? was curious again for other reasons. For, yeah. Like she you was can probably imagine her, what her reasons were. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever she was searching it was, for somebody else completely, you know. Yeah. yeah. But because of that curiosity, and, yeah. you got, you got it hooked up. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, you said something to me before earlier that when you were whatever going growing up going in the Hopkins school system or Edina school system, just just growing up in this area, for whatever reason, people who were adopted and you seemed to have like were a magnet to each other. You just you had something in common, and it wasn't like one buddy. It was you said there was a, a handful or ton, dozens of people in your in your sphere that were all adopted walk to that that sounds like that seem that i know we're on a hockey website here but it, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. still fast people are uh -huh. still have brains here and will be fascinated by by this by what you went through yeah absolutely like you know two of my best friends um you know daniel Contarado, uh, talia larson right two of them are adopted uh people uh, people who are adopted um you know my buddy jeff is adopted um I uh, went to school with, like, numerous people. I don't necessarily know if I naming them, you know, I know maybe I'll hear this. That's but, right. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, all these people, like, you know, I, Edina in particular, for whatever reason, had a ton of adopted people. Um, and, you know, maybe that's because I think, like, you know, like, wealthier people potentially maybe adopt, like, are able to, you know, you have to have certain credentials to adopt. Um, they don't yeah, just give children be. to anybody. Um, at least you hope they don't give children to anybody. But Right. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, they have to potentially have a certain income, right? A lot of times they don't just, like, people that are, like, put, you know, like, well, and the process the, is expensive, the process expensive, too. right? I mean, yes. So there's, re you know, so um, I think there's that's another reason why Edina, you know, as a lot of older professionals, ends up having kids who are, you know, who, who they adopt kids, and then we grow up together, we go to school together, we're in high school, middle school, all that kind of stuff, and we find each other. But then, like the point you're making, I mean, even out in the world, you find the people that are adopted um, very often, and I think that it's because it's such a internally um, divisive part of your personality. Like, that, like, you know, when I meet people, like, very, very, very quick into our conversations, like, I will probably end up throwing that out there at one point because of the fact that, like, and I get this from uh, white people, black people, doesn't matter what you look like. People will be like, oh, you talk funny or something, right? Like, you, like when you see somebody, you have automatic assumptions about how they're going to be a lot of times, right? So, like, you know, I dealt with this the other day where, like, somebody literally was like, you know, are you, like, are you from here? Like, you know, and all this kind of <laughs> stuff, right? Because they were really just so throwing off that like I was a black individual that had a dialect and you know spoke the way that I spoke and you know ultimately I just speak like the people I grew up around all this kind of stuff yes. right I don't think this yeah. has to be a black white thing or a rich no. thing but um just to that point so I mean yeah like you know ultimately it would be the same in reverse if someone was white and grew up in a black culture they would probably end up talking more like that culture right and to be honest as well like you think about like Eminem like, you know, he was, like, perfect, always, like, really you know, like, repping Detroit, Detroit, you know, 8 Mile, yeah. all this stuff. Like, he had to, you knew that about him very quickly than knowing him because when you would see him, you would say, well, what the heck is going on? Like, right. why is this guy doing So he had to be like, I'm from Detroit. I grew up in 8 Mile. Everybody I grew up around was black, and this <laughs> is a culture around here, yeah. although it's not a black and white thing, but it's like this is the culture mm. that happens to be Detroit, Correct. 8 Mile, and I grew up here. There happens to be more people that are black here. I do have, you know, like, white skin. We talk about, oh, I have less pigment. But ultimately, yeah, like, really is. this is my culture. And, you know, so, you know, because people don't expect that, he has to be like, yeah, I'm from Detroit. I'm from 8 Mile. That has to be part of his get up because otherwise people are going to be like, you know, who is this wankster or something? You know, like, I don't know if that's inappropriate to say on yeah. air, but like, um, I don't even know what you that know, means. I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm, I, I hope <laughs> it's not inappropriate, but, um, you know, just like, 
you know, like like a white gangster, you know, it's like oh, oh like, wanks, yeah, guys. yeah, thank yeah, you, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it's not inappropriate, but yeah, like just um, there have been a worse word than that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, but they, you know, just you're, you're pretending to be a part of this lifestyle, you know. No, he, that's really who he is. So like, I, yeah, I feel like that's kind of one of those things as well, where it's like, you know, I'm not pretending to be white. I'm not pretending to be anybody I'm not. I'm just me, myself, and who I am. And, like, part of that is because I was adopted and, like, sometimes I maybe has to come out earlier on so that, like, you can get a better sense of who I am. I think it's kind of cool, this whole, you know, because it, you were adopted as a baby and none of this really came out until you were a full-grown adult. Yeah. Right? Yep, 25 years old. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of your, uh, you know, youth – adolescence, even into college, where this is not really uh, outwardly noticeable about yourself, other than maybe you had, like you said, you had some groups of friends where you had that commonality, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and probably, you know, we talk about things happen for a reason, kind of like like the, the shot, you know, Dolan shot off of your shin pad. Things happen for a reason. I think some of that might have happened for reasons because from a developmental perspective, you if you, you would have found out your uh, biological parents when you're 13 that could have really messed you up don't yeah. you think no i completely <laughs> agree that it i don't know out if things happen for the reason no, right i mean yeah like a hundred percent i thought about you know um and again just like influences ultimately right and i'm you know like just things are different you know like i would not be necessarily where i am today doing what i'm doing um uh and people gauge success differently right you know but like i definitely think that like like what we deem to be success in our world that we live in, um, I had a much better opportunity to achieve that with the life that I was given ultimately yeah. than where I would have grown up. And like, you know, I can again say that because I, I have seen that. And, but I, you know, will acknowledge again, it's just like my family, you know, they're doing well. You know, it's like, you know, they're not like, you know, broke on the street or something, right? But it's just like a different lifestyle, a different world that we lived in. Like their influences growing up were different. The education system in Washington D.C. is uh, a lot different. All these kind of things. I had the blessings of being able to go to Edina and have that. You know, a great college system. I'm at Mitchell Hamlin uh, Law School now. All these kind of things. So, like, yeah, I feel I'm very gonna, blessed. I'm to gonna throw one more at you before we switch yeah. to this awesome <laughs> book here. No, and this is something just mm-hmm. from what, from my learn. I, I I lived in Virginia, the state of Virginia, for two years. It's funny you talk about Roanoke. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I was struck by growing up here, growing up in Minneapolis versus versus what I saw in Virginia, and you can come in and explain this, like there is a black middle class in the rest of this country. You go to Atlanta, you say in D.C., yeah. whatever. And I, I'm thinking that's kind of what you're trying to tell us here, but you haven't really said it. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Minnesota, we know as well, has like one of the greatest – disparities and like the racial wealth gap right yeah. but like you know so like seriously like growing up like not having those rep- that, that kind of representation like you really didn't realize that like there was a black middle class right there i is. was talking to my sister more recently about this and like minneapolis has like a homeless problem and it's unfortunately like more of a black homeless problem and it's like is that like why is that you know what i'm saying like yeah. if you look at stuff more of like the wealth gap and you know again i don't want to get like too too involved in this but like yeah oh. like you know down at the end of the day it's like you go to washington dc and black professionals are everywhere, everywhere. Right? and it's just like and very normal and like you go to atlanta it's very normal like and that's again part of the reason why i'm almost like back in an area like this trying to like you know be visible and like do things because like representation matters right yeah. ultimately like you know that's why that's i wrote key. a book that's why like you know these things are like that it's key like you have to let kids as we kind of talked about with the foster system earlier right like yeah. you can make it right like we believe in you and like um to not have any example is really difficult as we know like i mean think about it the four minute mile right with roger yeah, bannister yeah. it was impossible <laughs> Now you got high schoolers running four minute miles. And I'm yeah. not diminishing that. But once that run, bar was hit, everybody could hit it. Everybody can hit it. So, like, representation matters. Like, you know, Jackie Robinson entering the league, all this kind of things like that. Like, it becomes a big deal because, like, then black players, you know, were becoming, in, you know, like, more uh, visible in the league. And now there's, you know, the MLB is, uh, you know, majority minority. Like, you know, yeah. and, like, you know, a lot of sports that were um, – you all know, white. All white. We're now a lot. Min- a lot of uh, minorities are in those sports now, and so like, you know, when it took one, right? There was one at first, and now all of a sudden this is happening. So like, this 
Willie O'Ree. You know, we're talking about hockey, right? Yeah, you know, I was just going to say, what yeah, a fantastic yeah, yeah. segue. <laughs> so, yeah. You didn't even try to do it, yeah. but you did it, right? <laughs> like, hey, what a fantastic segue. You know what they should do? They should do a book about African-American kids playing hockey. That yeah. would be a great idea. You got one for yeah. me? <laughs> yeah, I certainly do, yeah. <laughs> It's amazing. Let's, yeah. let's talk about because I know we. I don't know. I, I tried not to ask you too much before we got on the air because I wanted a little bit to be authentic. So I'm like, I got all the good questions. You <laughs> knock them out before you go on the air, and then you got to do them all over again. <laughs> but you mentioned there was something you, you alluded to, and we. I'm like, don't tell me anymore. I want to do it when we get on. And that is uh, George Floyd's death. You were living in D.C. at yep, the time, and I remember you said something to me before, and I want you to elaborate heavily on that. Is mm-hmm. George Floyd passed? away or died whatever you want to murdered whatever you want to use term you want to use you were living in dc and our the city you're growing up you grew up in was burning down and he says i want to do something yeah i need i must i have to like tell yeah. me about that yeah what do you, what um, do you mean by that you know i w- every night like i just watched the live feed of just like everything burning and like i don't want to get into the merits of like all that but like you know at the end of the day like the city i grew up in was burning and yep. like you know like it was one of like Something has to be done. Wednesday, right? Thursday, Friday. Yeah. It, like was, something it was three bad days. Yeah. Those were bad. You know, and, like, at the end of the day, right, like, you, oh, you know, like, it, again, like, it was just not a peaceful environment. Like, you know, you can't look at something that's burning and think there's something, like, peaceful going on. And, like, at the end of the day, like, I know that we all love each other and we're all more than alike than we are different. And something needed to be done with that. And to be honest as well, I'll kind of get more into it a little bit as well, but like um, why a children's book in particular is that like, you know, we are, we are great, right? Ultimately, you know, and like, I'm not saying that like, you know, but there are like, once you get to a certain age, it is hard to change how you feel about certain things, right? You've grown up to a point. So kind of getting those representation matters, right? A book like this, you know, you can get to a kid, you know, early on and to be like, hey, like here is an example of like, two people that look differently that can still love and respect each other and come to the conclusion that they're human beings. And, you know, that is really what I wanted to convey. And, like, ultimately, I think we're from Minnesota. And, uh, like, you know, hockey is, uh, you know, state of hockey. Hockey is king here. Hockey is queen here. Hockey is, like, you know, everything that we want the sport in the state to represent. So what better way to, like, what better medium than to have a book about hockey? So that was kind of, like, again, just, like, the idea behind all that. And it really just kind of came to me. It started just flowing out. Um, you know, I had been on social media before. I saw people that I had played with before. Um, not necessarily on my team, but just in general, right? Like, we all know each other. We're a little bit, um, I'll say, like, confused, you know, about what, what is going, going on. on. Um, yeah. You know, and I felt like, you know what, there's a platform here. I know people. People know me, and I need to use this to um, start a conversation, open up a dialogue. And, like, you know, we there's obviously a problem here and there's not going to solve it. We're not going to get to a find a place to find a solution if we don't start talking about it. So this is where I was thinking that this could be a great conversation starter for people to be able to do something like that. All right. So where, I mean, obviously we can, we can get the book on Amazon or online. I can get it. But if I'm a school teacher, um, I'm a preschool teacher. I'm, I think that's really where we want to get. We want to get this book, and you know, granted, there's there's lots of hockey people who want to support Anthony Walsh, the great hockey player, <laughs> yeah, right? But I think if we really want to affect some change, right? We really like mm-hmm. to affect some change. How can we get Anthony Walsh's book into the Min- Minneapolis, or get it into Milwaukee, or get it into Kansas City, or how do what how does that what does that look like from a from a business perspective? But less than from a business make you some money, but more from a let's get to that change that you're talking about yeah absolutely so i think that, how you does know, that work i mean i don't even know how it works Just yeah. how do you get that book there well so i mean getting there would be you know like without again like talking about like oh how much to get there you'd order it or like you'd talk you know call right. my publisher which is um stride publishing and um you know order it and i do think like if you're a you know an organization like a bookstore if you're a school if you're somebody that's going to order order in bulk to have some sort of like to have it in your in your store or to have it in a library or to have it in stock that i do think there is like um, you know, a cut in the in the rate and the price. Yeah, that kind for of stuff. sure, for sure. So, you know, ultimately, if you're looking online and you're like, oh, my gosh, this is X amount, and, you know, but, you know, if you're going to go ahead and you want to be a school or something to go ahead and, you know, buy X amount of copies, then, like, that's that's one thing. But so, you know, from there, right, like doing readings uh, in the classrooms, talking to kids. So, like, you know, 
I show up there. Before? Somebody, yeah, I've, I've done a few of that, and like I have more, you know, set up. And when did it actually in the publish? Park. Um, it published on July twenty seventh. Oh, so this is yeah. you're going right into the school year right now. Yes, yeah, it's been um, kind of a whirlwind, and you know, I've like had opportunities here and there, just with like interviews, and um, as far as also like events, like I had a ch- opportunity to do a DEIB uh, session with the um, um, Minnesota Department of Education had to start. Awesome, and so that was really incredible, and you know, I got to speak with adults, um, just. Kind of again, like, you know, having these conversations, opening up um, the door for them to be had because, like, you know, so often it is really hard to, like, have an icebreaker to have that conversation. Just you don't always know how to um, how to start, you know, so that's. All right. So let's I, I want to talk about uh, this. Is th- you you said something. Now I got to go all the way back to hockey, but it's definitely related to this. OK, and I'm not shy to ask some tough questions. Here yeah. sometimes. I'm guessing as an African-American player in your uh, your youth days, you pr- maybe experienced some racism. Yeah. And yeah. I don't care if, if you, you could say no, and I believe mm-hmm. you. If you could say yes, and I, no matter what your answer is, I'm just curious, if if that did happen, how did you deal with it? And how would, if, if, there's, a, if there's a kid from, just make it up, a kid from Roseville right now listening to the podcast, what advice would you give him how to handle, with it, handle yeah. that? Yeah, so ho- hockey is for everybody is actually – you know, it's autobiographical. Um, oh, you know, okay. Never, I figured, you know, but I would, not naming no. names, not yeah, schools, yeah, yeah. anything like that. <clears throat> Sorry, ultimately, um, it's one of those things, like, you know, it's amalgamation of, like, the experiences I had. Um, and, yeah, so, you know, it was, if not always, like, I, if I was on the rink, like, there would be, you know, uh, there was times where I was called the N-word. I will say, like, you know, people had more class than that normally, but, like, no, there was, there was times, unfortunately. But a lot of it was more like these microaggressions, right? Like, you have people being, like, you know, go back to the basketball court or, like, you know, monkey bug with your banana or, like, um, you know, uh, like, you know, calling out NFL players or something like that. You know, all these kind of things that are just, like, oh, you know. They very would call you NFL players? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, just, Reggie like. Reggie Bush or something. Yeah, like right. That. Yeah. So yeah. Making it up, right? Seriously. <laughs> that was about the age, right? Yeah. yeah. No. And no, okay. you're right. You're right to say that. I mean, it's just, like, but and it's, like. It can be innocent in a way, you know, like me and you can like that say these kind of right things, though. but like when you're yeah. on the ice and you're just like, oh, like, you know, right to me, you know, so it's like, yeah, like these are taunting, they're racial taunts, they're, um, you know, they're microaggressions. So like, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, more of what had, you know, what had been going on. And ultimately, right, like, um, like it's one of those things where it's not right. And I'm not sitting here being like, boo hoo, woe is me, right? But I no, do no, know I that know. like kids need, I like, don't like kids shouldn't have to endure that. And especially somebody that like, like, think about, like, an immutable trait, like, you know, your skin color. And, like, I get it. Hockey's an a intense sport. And, like, you want to, you know, I'm under the impression a lot of these people maybe aren't even, like, racist by the definition of the, of the term. Where Correct. you're, like, I hate black people just inherently because I hate black people. It's more of, like, oh, I'm mad at this player. He hit me or something. Or, like, he's kind of good. I want to get under his skin. What's the easiest way to do it? Race. You know, and it's more of just, like, kind of, like, taking a cheap shot well, a little bit. they're not very you know? smart. Right, yeah. It's, uh, you and know. when you're playing a game, sometimes you're – you know, yeah, your brain is just brain going, is going, yeah, right? So, and it, yeah. and it gets scrambled. And I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not condoning it by any stretch. Yeah. We have a very strict policy on this right. topic, but I could, s- I'm just trying to see how they can make that mistake, right? You know, well, and not just, be a bad kid, right? Yeah. Or just, just like when you're, you, it, it'd be the equivalent of a bad mistake of, hey, I got the puck. This guy's wide open, way down the ice from behind my net, and all of a sudden you put a pass right on the stick and goes in. Stupid play, right? It's a stupid thing to say. How can we correct the kid from ever saying that again or making that stupid play ever again? It's a learning moment, right? Yes. It's not about. um, Yes. Well, yes. And, like, right. And if you keep on making that stupid play, (laughs) you're off the team or something, right? Or, like, you know, you're getting set. But it's it's a learning moment. And you're like, hey, like, let's sit down and figure out what went wrong here. And, like, you know, and, like, try to get them to understand that, like, well, this is why you don't shoot it up the middle. This is, like, you know, right. if it happens, like, you know, and, again, maybe, like, you should know not to say certain words. But, like, you know, maybe if you're, like, you say something kind of, like, sidewise and offensive, it's a microaggression. They come back and it's, like, hey, like, you can't say that because, like, you know, when you're saying, oh, go shoot hoops or something, man, like, you know, there's a lot of people in the NBA that are black. And then, like, people like to look at that and they like to look at hockey and look at the difference there. And, like, they're they're saying that because, you're like, you don't know that you're – by insane that you're implying something that he doesn't belong in the sport, you know? So like maybe yeah. a kid had heard that from anywhere, you know what I'm saying? And they don't necessarily realize the implications of like what they're saying. So I want to have, you know, it's always an educational moment, and, you know, until again, you're like five, six, seven, eight times. You're just like saying terrible things. And My you know comeback better. would have been, 
I am Monty Dinah's mm-hmm. PWA team here. You know, I don't think basketball is – I think i got a pretty good future here. Right, that yeah. would have been my response. Exactly. <laughs> and then, well, you're actually sorry to that. That's the right? second part of what you asked. You said, like, what was my response to it? Yeah. Honestly, I'm not going to lie, right? Nine, nine, 99.9 times, like, I, I just had to skate away, you know, ultimately. Like, and quiet? Did you, have, mm-hmm. did you have some pain? Yeah, oh, Project absolutely, pain? yeah, 100%. I'm like, you know, it's saying, like, it's one of those, and it kind of, again, like, I, I felt like I needed to write a book so much where, like, I, you know, like, don't want kids to have to, you know, continue a whole generation, a whole other era of the sport, you know, with, with awesome. that. Awesome. You know, because, awesome. like, yeah, there's this sense that people think there's a line that I, like, just can't cross. And it's like, when there's certain issues like that, there is no line, you know, like, yeah. you can just talk about, you know, bendy, my bendy ankles, or, like, talk about, yeah. you know, uh, like, Get you know, creative. it's like, you know, yeah, let's it's like get a, creative you know, like, like a rubber duck when you're shooting or something, you know, right? Like, you know, just something along the lines of that, right? But, like, get, you said get creative, right? Like, it's creative. Like, That's use not, the swear words or something. The it's the least creative thing is to draw the car, that yeah, card, yeah, I exactly. think. Yeah. Like, that's all you could come up with. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's right. Out of, out of everything, like you said, out of all, out of all the, out of all of, you know, every yeah. single limb I got, you know, come on. green jersey, all this yeah. kind of stuff like that, you you decide to zero in on, you know, the way out. Right. So. All right. Okay, so... I just wanted to talk about this, uh, everything else, Anthony. I forgot to talk about the book part of the book. Right? You know, I, I know you're inspired. And tell me about the book. So I said, autobiographical, you got my attention. I don't yeah. want to give away at the end. But so is, I, and I, all I, I thumbed through it when you handed it to me here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a white guy in the book. That's yeah. all I know. And, you're, and they're shaking hands at the end. So yeah. tell me what that looks like. Don't, we don't want to give away the whole book here. But right. like, what happened? Yeah. So, um, is 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 uh-huh. there a, is there a scene where the white guys mean to you? Oh, there's numerous scenes. Oh, there know, are. Like okay, Ooh, I didn't see that part when like, I was flipping. Yeah, right. I mean, like, yeah. I'll you know quickly read like a and go here. It, it was, looks uh, pretty simple. Looks pretty simple. Yeah, I mean, simple. Like, I'll uh, fucking leave it here. It's like we'll look at uh like here. It's like some of the words people use were worse than basketball and bananas, and that made Anthony mad and even sad. But he tried to stay calm and never got back at anyone during the game. Doing that might get him a penalty and hurt his team's chances. The Monarchs couldn't afford to lose, and Anthony couldn't either. So just kind of like, you know, stuff like that people are saying. But like, um, you know, uh, Jason played for the Cardinals. He always teased Anthony and called him names. Got After the last game, he had said to Anthony, why don't you go back to the basketball court? So, I mean, there's just kind of so like... So you uh, have real-life experiences in there. Yeah, and again, it's not like, you know, there's names or anything like that. It's over literally the... Uh, the culmination of the time that I started when I was, like, three and a half years old to 21, 20 years old, like, pl- you know, stop playing and just, you know, all the – but, yeah, I mean, these are things I would hear, you know, constantly, you know, on the ice and stuff. And, again, like, I don't I don't ever think that, you know, not every player was out there super malicious or anything, but just that it was a good way to get into somebody's head and all that. And then it's here you had talked about – so the white guy the white guy that you saw um, is the antagonist in the book technically, and we have a – Nice to the reunion at the end kind of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we, 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 you know, we find a way to find to hammer out our differences, right? Which is, like, what life is about. Right. Um, so it's a good lesson for kids there. And then another character in the book, his name is Matt, just funny enough. <laughs> and um, that is Matt Nelson, who I mentioned oh earlier. My God. I played with him. And that is, you know, and he knows about this. And, like, that is, that is like, somebody who's, like, real or whatever. But, like, everybody else, again, is just, like. So Matt was a know. bad guy? No, and, oh, God, no. He was, <laughs> I was like, wow, that's no. news to me. <laughs> no, you know, no, no, no. But no, he, he was helps. he was someone who defended you. Yeah, exactly. And he defended yeah. you, and I'm sure yeah, yeah, I was gonna go uh-huh. there too. Uh-huh. And you 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 went right where I was going because I'm guessing because I I've had numerous experiences with race in the game after ten years, right? Running yeah. tournaments and having run into this situation with with race, and I'm always taken back by how venomous the coach and the teammates are to protect their African-American, Asian-American brothers on their team. It's some of the most it, – it, it makes me prideful. Like, you guys are fired up that this happened. They, they, they came to protect their brother because they don't see him as that. They just see him as a teammate. Did you have some of that? Yeah, well, hundred percent. And you know, that's <laughs> I can only also imagine. Like what it's about, right? And next, you know, that is there's a scene exactly like that in the book, right? Where you know, like as a black player, as I like, allude to, right? Like there's only so much that you can like take. Like at one point, maybe you do want to like act out against somebody that's saying this kind of stuff against you, but like it takes somebody that's like an ally or you know somebody that like you know 
is more visible to be able to step in and like kind of like take that for a second and to be like, hey, like this is my guy. This is you know you're you know yeah you're, this is one of us and you're not messing with them right ultimately and like you know without that experience like it's a very isolating moment. So like you know if I didn't have my teammates to help me you know stand up for me in those kind of moments, then like you know it really would have been. I really would have been completely alone, you know. So, like, just I thank them so much for that. And, like, that's, again, why it's part of this book is because I want kids to know that and to be able to feel comfortable uh, doing that and to think that it's cool. And, you know, it is cool. But, like, to to know that it's cool to want to step up for your teammate and how much your teammates appreciate you doing that. And that's the cool part about this book is it speaks to both sides of the aisle, which is exactly mm-hmm. when you're standing in D.C. watching this George Floyd stuff, like, hey, how can I produce something, even as simple as a children's book, that can maybe introduce a relationship? What was I good at? I was good at hockey. I think you're great at hockey, but you probably said you're no. good at hockey, right? And you were able to marry the two together in a situation. So yeah. now we got to get this book out and maybe get into some hands of some kids. And, hey, if we're lucky, we're really, really, really lucky, we can get it. Uh, get some sticks and skates in the hands of some kids of color as well. That would yeah. be the ultimate. I know you've worked a little bit on that. Do you want to talk about that too? Yeah. So honestly, too, I, um, you know, I feel very comfortable even discussing this now because I had spoken with one of my partners on this. But um, just like you know, we're trying to figure out a way again to do that. And like, I think we're going to do a raffle at first, right? Ultimately, you know, to have an organization is you know, you have to build one. You have to. Um, you know, so I've got some shouting out. If anybody, you know, reach out to me, please help with, with this and building this. But, you know, ultimately, right, taking some of the proceeds from, from the book and ultimately, like, creating, like, some sort of um, either program or raffle or organization that ultimately gets inexpensive gear to people. And, like, right off the bat, I think we're going to start with, like, a, um, you know, getting uh, lower-income families involved, um, a six-stick raffle um, with, again, I, I – this is very premature, so, like, and I have not spoken with, like, this company or anything, but maybe with, like, the Christian Brothers or something. They're Minnesota-based. Um, yeah. You know, again, I'm just, like, just prefacing that. Throw yes. it out there. But, yes, like, you know, that is the idea of, like, getting inexpensive gear to the kids that need it to be able to, like, move forward and to not have to have that burden. And just while I have, you know, on air and while we're discussing this, I think there are three um, very visible burdens to getting hockey to be a more diverse sport. One of that is getting more players of color involved. Another is the price of getting just people that are low income involved, regardless of what you look like. And then also there's an educational component. So like if you do want to start, where do you go? Um, what kind of resources can I have? Like where do I buy skates that are affordable? Where is open skating? Where are uh, skating coaches? Where are the best places for outdoor rinks to skate? You know, there's just not that information. Like me and you know that we grew up in this world. Yeah. But somebody that hasn't grown up in this world does not have a clue where to begin. And I think s- in some ways, Anthony, this racial barrier is a barrier. But I think one of the biggest barriers is the intimidation of asking. I think it really is like where do I go to get this stuff? Because they see the wild, they see the sports. They don't, but for for other sports, let's just say uh, for for African American kids, you know, uh, basketball and football, they don't have to ask that really those uncomfortable questions. Yep. So just breaking down those barriers, race is something for sure. I don't think a lot of those people are afraid of that. I think they're more afraid to to go into a sporting goods store and go, how do I get these skates? And what size skates should I get? And what kind of skates should I get? And where do I go to skate? There's, that's some of the most intimidating part of that. And if we can just bl- break down those walls, I think the rest is going to be easy. Yeah, I completely agree. And, um, you know, I had a conversation with a mom really recently about that and the exact same thing, that it's, you know, I want my kid to play, we have the money to play, but I just don't know how to feel comfortable in that environment. So, like, you're saying, like, it's just getting people there, getting them to know that, like, you belong here. Have any questions? What can we do for you? And, like, we want you to be here, and we respect that you've now taken that step. Right. Once that is known and it becomes word of mouth, like, you know, because that's another thing, right? Like, people don't necessarily always see themselves as playing hockey. Like, once it really – and that's why hockey is for everybody. Once it really becomes like, huh, there's no reason why I shouldn't play that sport, then, you know, we're, we're just in a world of – Here we go. I got it. I got. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna bring this thing home right now. I think you're gonna love this. We talked earlier that had nothing to do with hockey. You talked about a term called representation. Is Anthony Walsh gonna be representation for kids in Minnesota, for maybe of color, for 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 the game of hockey? Yeah, I would. I would hope so. Um, you know, and I, I, I want to be that in the sense that I think everybody needs that. 
And, you know, I want to be that for kids in Minnesota, and I want to be that for kids, you know, all over the nation, all over the world, kids in Canada, kids in, you know, uh, Norway, kids in Sweden, any, anywhere that you're a person of color, like, and they play hockey, that sport is for you. If you want to play it, it is for you. Like, don't feel dissuaded at all. And, like, think of me an example. I grew up, or I was born, um, you know, in Washington, D.C. I grew up for, you know, the early, early part of my life, very early part of my life in a foster home, and ended up, you know, being on a state championship hockey team. Um, you know, and like now in October, I'm going out to uh, Washington, D.C. to do a book reading at Fort DuPont, which is the only indoor rink that's not a professional rink in Washington, D.C. Um, you know, coming full circle and coming back and being able to share the gift of hockey and the sport of hockey with the kids uh, of Southeast D.C. in Washington, D.C. Um, and just couldn't think of a better way to do something like that. So, yes, I want to be that individual. You know, I'm not seeking out that opportunity, but I think that from where I sat in my life just being a kid that played free dyna hockey which is again a very a well-renowned program i think espn in 2020 had coined it the hockey universe or hockey center of the universe and you know i was on a team that had um you know done well like you know won a state championship in minnesota which is a big deal and then i'd had an awesome game that game as well which is like you know again like very visible so like taking all that and like using that as a platform for representation i think not doing that would have been a crime ultimately in that, you know, like I needed to, um, you know, uh, use the gifts that God has given me um, to make the world a better place ultimately. Awesome. Well, I think you're doing a great job. I appreciate the time. We got you here in time, got you out on yeah. time. This is awesome to meet you. It was better than I could have expected. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. Anthony really Walsh, it. author of Hockey is for Everybody. Thank you, Anthony, for coming on. Thank you, Tony.